Is it time for careful, widespread opening of schools across the country? Yeah, Chef, absolutely. And you said the magical words. You know, we've had this sort of almost at times what feels like a, a comical debate where one side says, just open up everything. Don't worry about it at all. The other side says you just schools can't be made safe at all. What this CDC report does really based on all of this careful data we have is if we do smart things, we get kids and adults to wear masks, if we have a reasonable amount of ventilation, uh, we can open up schools safely and they will not be sources of, of infection for people uh, who are there, adults or kids. So we clearly can do it, but we've got to do it with those measures in place. Well, you know you can do it because it's being done by lots of schools across the country. Thousands of schools. Yeah. The, uh, <clears throat> Private schools and non-teacher union-dominated districts of public schools. So a third of students in America have not been in a classroom at all since last March. Right. That is amazing. And like I said earlier, I'm not sure we could should continue calling it distance learning because there ain't much learning happening. That 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 might be where the public pressure thing gets out of whack. Is that people don't people that don't have kids are assuming something that isn't true, right? Then add to that number of parents who really don't take part in their kids' education. There are, you know, tragically quite a few of those. Yeah, schools operating in person have seen scant transmission of the coronavirus, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, in a report released under the Biden administration. When masks and distancing are employed, the spread is less than outside of school. It's safer to be in school, on average, than just out in the community. And yet the schools remain closed. We could, if you like, talk about the incredible losses. Fourth graders uh, posting uh, significant declines in reading, but 10%, 11% in math, 13% in uh, among eighth graders, uh, 40% among uh, minority kids, et cetera, et cetera. And you, different figures are coming out of different states. Uh, some of the, the, the loss in social science and math are just tragic, depending on which district you're talking about. The kids are just losing, you know, they're, they're falling so behind in the educational race. I mean, what are you going to do? Keep them in school till they're 26? It's so. Finish high school at age 26? I almost dropped the GD. It's so maddening to me. What is the what is it with the lefty media being so in favor of the shutting down the schools? I don't get that. I was listening to NPR this morning, and they did a long story on the the what's going on in Chicago, which we're going to talk more about, and whether or not it's going to turn into a strike, and how the county's going to handle it, and all that sort of stuff. But uh, you know, very at the very end, the uh, the anchor asked the reporter. Now, some people think you can be back in school safely. Yeah, there is. Some evidence out there that shows that schools aren't the super spreader event that it was believed to be. And I thought, well, that's one way to put it. Wow. There's zero evidence out there that schools are a super spreader event. It would be another way to put it. Oh, and I would add on there are mountains of evidence to the contrary. But so what? <laughs> what is with the lefty media being the pro shutting down the school? Media, Democrat, union. Is that it? That's it. Huh. Teachers' unions in particular. Uh, please, Mr. Sean, if you would, clip number... F- mm. Let's, you know, let's go ahead and do 40. Across the country, students are struggling. My kids have really suffered through this process. Grades are down, attendance is down, and school officials say kids need to be back in the classroom to fix it. 
In many of the nation's largest cities, the push for a return to in-person learning is facing stiff resistance from teachers' unions. In Chicago, K-8 public school teachers are refusing the city's order to be in their classrooms by tomorrow and demanding that all instruction stay online until teachers are vaccinated. Without being given access to a vaccine quickly and timely, we are putting our students at more exposure and more risk, and then we're bringing that home to our families. The science, however, tells a different story. New research from the CDC, published today in the Journal of the American Medical Association, found no evidence that schools transmit the virus at a higher rate than the general community, and concluded, with good prevention, we can safely reopen and keep open more schools. So there's not overwhelming evidence. No, it's about 50-50 on whether... No, there's no evidence that this is bad to send your kids to school. How are you letting the teachers' unions get away with this? I think we made a mistake in this whole teachers are heroes thing all these years. I think maybe that's where we went wrong. I would agree. Yeah, you you don't question a hero. How could you? And they couldn't possibly form associations that are not working in our best interests. It's impossible. We built it up to the point that they're beyond question, I guess. Margaret A. Honine, the lead author of the Journal of American Medical Association report, the conclusion here is with proper prevention efforts, we can keep transmission in schools and educational settings quite low. We didn't know that at the beginning of the year, but the data has really accumulated. And they cite multiple studies. And yet, clip number 42. Teachers unions across the country are refusing to return to the classroom over what they say are safety concerns. There's nobody that wants to get back into our schools more than our education employees who have been doing a heroic job during this pandemic. In San Francisco, district officials were forced to scrap plans to reopen this week because they couldn't reach an agreement with the union. And in Baltimore, public school leaders are going ahead with a plan to reopen next month despite union protest after data showed more than half of students in grades 3 to 12 failed a class during remote learning. More than half failed. So can you do, remember when Reagan fired all the aircraft traffic controllers? Can yeah. they do that? Just fire all the teachers? Now, if you want to come back, we'll hire you right back to your old job immediately now that you've been fired. Same if you're salary. willing to come to the classroom. Yep. But school is starting on Monday. Right. In the classroom. So same salary, same everything if you want your job back. But everybody's fired right now. Right. Can they do that? In fact, we'll even take the salary of the no-shows and divide it up among y'all. We'll call it hazard pay if you want, even though the hazard is less than going about your everyday every day. You do whatever you want. Just get the damn kids in school. It's unbelievable. And I will note that that report from Special Report with Brett Baer, you know, named a number of very, very blue cities in which the city leadership is howling at the teachers' unions. Get into class. And the teachers' unions... Is that further left or just so self-serving or saying no to the leadership of the very far left uh, um, uh, governments? I happen to be listening to Nakedly Progressive Radio this morning, NPR, which inexplicably is partly funded by my tax dollars. Um, and uh, they were, was it NPR? No, you know what? It was CNN, come to think of it. Uh, CNN was interviewing Phil Murphy, who's the governor of New Jersey. And to my shock and surprise, the, the anchorette, after an interview with him, said, hey, look, this new CDC study says opening schools with just basic precautions is safe. And she went down and gave you the facts that we did. Uh, the chance of transmission schools is less than the general uh, you know, day-to-day life of the students and the teachers. I mean, it's, it's a safe place to be. So 
and some people are suggesting it's only the teachers' unions that are keeping the schools closed. And I thought, oh, my God, am I listening to Fox? This is unbelievable. And mm-hmm. Phil Murphy, who knew this, is one of the most gifted tap dancers since Savion Glover. He launched into a... I don't t- know that name. Dude, he's dancer? a fine tap dancer. <laughs> yeah, bringing the noise, bringing the funk. Remember that back in the day? Yeah. yeah. yeah but he was on Sesame Street back when my kids were little. He's a wonderful dancer. Joe with a tap dancer reference at the ready. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I could go a couple more deep if you want. Wow. Oh, anyway, where was I? Ah, yes. So Phil Murphy in New Jersey then launched into a, it's like a, it's, it was a word, it wasn't a word salad, it was a word salad bar. People could line up 15 deep and all get fed. And he <laughs> hemmed and hawed and talked about education and importance and teachers and the job they do and the importance of safety and blah, 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 blah. And he never answered the question. The anchorette should have nailed him down. But he's one of those people. Phil, I'm talking to you, buddy. You come for me if you want, because I'm coming for you. You're one of those people who is such a hoe for the unions. You are so willing to trade your dignity, your principles, the souls of children, and God knows what else for those dollars flowing. Just got to keep those dollars flowing. Screw the kids. Screw the child suicides, the adolescent suicides, the loss in learning. Screw them. Keep those dollars coming. You disgust me. And and there are a lot of your colleagues. They're in the same group. How's there not more of a pushback among teachers against their own unions? It's a dangerous thing to do. I'm sure it is. How would we know if there was? I don't know. They they would be whistleblowers. They would come out. They would do interviews. Brett Baer would talk to them. And Fox News would talk to them. They'd be the only ones. But I've talked to teachers because um, I've I've had the uh, the pleasure to know a number of my kids' teachers through the years. Partly because my wife is super involved in schools and everything. Um, and there are a hell of a lot of conservatives among them. But you will get stabbed in the back every day if you are known as a uh, a naysayer to the union. We got this text from somebody who's uh, who's been doing this. Not much teaching going on virtually or either. I said there's no learning going on. There's very little learning going on. It's a 40-minute crash course of math with audio issues, kids' internet getting dropped. It feels like triage every subject in school now. It's not teaching. I'm, I'm teaching virtual. It's an S-show. And the high school kids go, I don't know what that is, must have been a word missing. And the, the kids that are falling behind and the low uh, kids will never recover. I wonder about that, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's well known among educators, uh, not the teachers' unions, but people who actually care about kids and educating them, that you have to keep kids on the education, uh, uh, treadmill's a bad word, keep them on the path, uh, because if kids lose interest and they go away, they almost never come back, yeah, but which is true. why school sports are so important and extracurriculars and that sort of thing. Because often kids who would have veered off the path, they love playing the, their sport or their instrument or whatever, and, and you keep them around. That's why extracurriculars are so important. So now you don't have that, and the, and the whole learning thing is so frustrating and, and practically useless in spite of, and it should be said, some really valiant efforts by educators to keep the kids engaged. It was my uh, varsity tap dancing class that kept me in school because I idolized the great, what's his name? Uh, Savion Glover. Exactly. <laughs> of course, uh, Gregory Hines came to your school once and it just uh, turned your world around. We did have a big poster of Sammy Davis Jr. up on the wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's no Bill Bojangles, but uh, Sammy was great. Anyway, where were we? Ah, yes. 
So this uh, is all wrong. Why? I should be back in school. Yes, I agree completely. I agree. Now I think we've made the case. Uh, it is up to you now to march on mass to your school board meetings with your friends and your neighbors. Give them a call. Email them right now. Squeeze those unions. Twist their arms. Let them know that they are committing perhaps suicide by flying so obviously in the face of what is right. And uh, if you got any info, insider info, hit us with the text. 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Now, we have some interesting stuff about, uh, they're still digging into the presidential election, who voted how and what counties, like counties that voted for Obama twice, then for Trump. Looking more into those, really interesting, trying to figure out the way people vote. Uh, But anyway, more on that coming up. How do you feel about tawdry? I would say if you don't like tawdry, this segment is not for you. How tawdry? Like to the point of... Pornographic or fairly tawdry. So oh. there's a new book out about the whole Monica Lewinsky Bill Clinton affair. There, okay, yeah. Written by Linda Tripp, who you might not remember, <laughs> died really? died last year. Oh, she did. I yeah, forgot. Uh, quickly from I think pancreatic cancer. Oh. Anyway, she had been working on a memoir uh, that has come out posthumously. Did you just say memoir? I did. The name of the book is A Basket of Deplorables, What I Saw Inside the Clinton White House. I think that's an awesome title. Oh, nice. That's really good. Counterpunch. Um, she was not a fan of the Clintons. And hey, Michael, do we have any of our Linda Tripp uh, tapes? I'm looking for it right, right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she saw a lot of it up close. And if you don't know this story, uh, Bill Clinton had uh, an affair with an intern, got impeached kind of over it-ish. Um uh, and Linda Tripp was like the only confidant that Monica Lewinsky, the intern, had. So Linda Tripp was privy to a lot of the information, and she's really the one that came forward and blew the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. Um, which was really, I think, awful. I think she, um, you know, uh, uh, a young woman told somebody you thought was her friend about, uh, you know, a relationship she was having, and then this woman went to the press with it, which I think is terrible. But anyway, she had a beautiful melodic speaking voice, though. Didn't she like the trip? Do we have a little bit? Listen, you'll get mad at me. You know what I said at the end? What? The worst I could say. Oh, you want to, you didn't say what are you wearing? I, no, I was even worse than that. But then what's even worse, worse, worse than what I said was I was just like, I don't know how it, you'll die. You will die. You're going to smack me. Uh, probably, Monica. What do you think I said? God only knows. What's the worst thing I could say? Do you love me? No. I love you. Yep. You didn't. I did. We're getting up, and I'm like, I, I love you, butthead. <laughs> no. I called him butthead. You didn't. I did. And what did he say? Just, that was it. He just kind of hung up. Or I hung up. I was like, oh, my God. What the hell just came out of my mouth? Bill Clinton <laughs> sexed up a child. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. She is obviously very, uh, very young. She's 23 years old. Anyway. She is telling Linda Tripp, or well, she she lands there to Pentagon, and Linda Tripp and everybody who worked there are like, okay, somebody she knows somebody important because you don't get this job here with her background unless somebody important put you here for mm. some reason. So mm. they they all figured that out right away, and then Linda Tripp started to suspect it was Bill Clinton. Then at some point, um, you know, Monica confessed to her on all these taped phone calls, which Linda Tripp handily recorded because she's a pretty evil person, I think, Linda Tripp, um. 
and then we found out about it later. But so some stuff that I'd never heard in here, for instance, Monica, uh, Bill had cut off all ties with her. And probably after I love you, butthead might have been after that very phone call. No yeah. doubt. Um, oh, boy. He'd cut off ties <laughs> with her and poor Monica because, Monica because she was, you know, early 20s and naive about love and relationships and married men and all that sort of stuff. Um, she thought it was just, you know, his evil wife and handlers aren't letting him contact me, but he loves me and we're going to be together someday. That's what she thought. Wow. It was just a matter of time before they were going to be together. Yeah. And um, uh, Hillary's throwing Bill this big 50th birthday bash, I think, in Chicago. Huge deal. 5,000 people. It was a fundraiser to make a whole bunch of money for the Clintons. But And Monica bought a ticket. Very expensive ticket. Oh, boy. Bought a ticket. Fancy dress. Went there. And says she got close enough to Bill that in a crowd, she walked up to him and squeezed his jewels. No! Cupped them and squeezed them in her hand. What? Wow, she was a combination of naivete and aggressiveness. It's practically out of porn. I've never done this before, but I want to do it right now. I got to tell you the 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 add on to that little story. There's a little more to it when oh, we come more? back here. Oh. I just yeah, you know, I think it's interesting, but um, oh, I'm not my. gonna read that book. <laughs> I don't really need any info on that. Plus, working from home and productivity. What are studies finding? Oh boy. Armstrong and Getty. Show. Turns out stars are just like us because the Hollywood elite are in a COVID-19 vaccine scramble, leveraging their clout and connections to be the first to get inoculated, as well they should. If the Hollywood elite don't survive this, who will sing us Imagine during the next pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's some good mockery from yes. Stephen Colbert there. Yeah. That was on like day four of the pandemic when they dropped their Imagine track. Yeah. Was, they they just misread every room in every possible way they could. Oh, boy. Um, we have uh, important stuff on the way, or interesting stuff, stuff that matters to you. I certainly hope so. Um, about uh, politics, schools, the COVID, etc. I'm just trying to cover for the fact that what I'm telling you is merely tawdry and gossip for the most part. Um, there, uh, there's a new book out by Linda Tripp, who was Monica Lewinsky's confidant during the whole Lewinsky-Clinton affair. Oh, Monica. And uh, you'll have to listen to the podcast to hear the run-up to this story. But in, in the new book, there's a story from Linda Tripp about how Monica Lewinsky went to Bill's 50th birthday party that Hillary f- threw for 5,000 guests. It was a giant fundraiser is really what it was. Monica buys a ticket because she hasn't heard from Bill in a long time, even though she believes they're in love. Buys a ticket, gets a fancy dress. She's gets... been shunted off to the Pentagon at this point. But she yeah. uh, she thinks Bill, you know, wants to be with her and uh, is deeply in love with her as she is with him. It's just, you know, her handlers and her his evil wife is what's getting in the way. <sighs> anyway, she goes to the party and manages to get close enough to the President of the United States that she grabs his testicles with her hand and gives him a squeeze. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hello to you. <laughs> and she comes back and tells Linda Tripp this story when she gets back from the party. Um... Now, uh, 
I think there's a decent chance that she uh, didn't get within 100 miles of the president, and it'd be way too embarrassing to say that, and she made up that story for, for her own psyche and for everybody else. I think that's, really? a, I think that's a possibility. Huh. Yes. Well, that's a classic. Yes. That's yes. a classic that anybody does. Huh. You know? Uh, yeah. Somebody uh, likes you, are you going to come back and tell your friends, no, they wouldn't even talk to me? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, made would, up, we made out for a while, but I broke up with them, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> Um, I think yeah. there's a chance of that. Sure, yeah. It's, well, it's kind of hard to imagine in a group of 5,000 people, you're just a regular ticket buyer, that you got close enough to the president in a crowd to cup his testicles. Linda Tripp's take on it in the book is, there's no way, if that happened, that she did that without the Secret Service knowing it. The Secret Service does not take their eye off the president oh, yes. enough that in a crowd, somebody could grab his testicles and they'd be completely unaware. I think you're picturing a grab from in front. I'm picturing the... Is she crawling around on the floor? Uh, no, no. I'm picturing <laughs> the arm around, the brush on the back, then the drop down and reach under. The up and under. The up and under, which oh. is much more difficult to track. I don't do this to people, so I don't know all the techniques. <laughs> well, thank you for that implication. Well, they don't train that technique in year one. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's an advanced a, maneuver. Exactly. Don't attempt this at home. So, yes, it, even especially if the president had his back to you know the wall or something like that, you could get away with Still, that. Still, though, Because you he was surrounded by people shaking his hand, patting him on the back, and all she patted him, then the, re- up and under. You know, the only scenario I can see it happening is something up. like that where they were doing like a photo line, and yes. people were just going through the motions, and she, uh, I, she's close. I know somebody who does that kind of security. I'm going to ask them if it would be possible for someone to cup the president's genitalia. Yes. Without, Mention the up and under maneuver. To that yes. person. Without the Secret Service being aware of it because you know they it's long been believed right they completely knew that the affair was going on they're letting some nobody into the oval office and all that sort of stuff who stayed for a while and then left so they probably oh there she is okay there we go you know that's what if she had a code name i don't know that they kept quiet because the secret service is well it's there in the name well, if somebody's protecting me from clever uh, assassins, I would hope that nobody, unless they were supposed to, could get close enough to do that to me without the Secret Service being aware of it. Right, right. If she was an agent of Putin, she could have smeared a little of that uh, that nerve agent on his uh, tender parts. It was a, a high-dollar ticketed affair, right? You, right? You've already gone through some sort of semblance I'm of sure. security screening. It's There's not like that. he's walking through a subway terminal. Yeah, I, True. Think, I think you're too willing to dismiss uh, the young woman, probably because she's a woman. It's probably misogyny. I think she did exactly what she claimed to, but Linda Tripp thought otherwise. No, she she just thought that the Secret Service absolutely knew that that happened. Oh, her experience was there's yeah. no way you get that close to the president without them allowing it to happen. All right, well, that's quite the claim, but I do not think I'll be reading that book <laughs> no, either. No, 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 no. As uh, I'm that's told, best... life is short. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the best detail that comes out of the book, no, yes. not going to be on my reading list. <laughs> So a couple of really interesting points about working from home and productivity and costs and that sort of thing, which will ring true to ye if you've done any remote uh, working. First, a quick word from our sponsor, CarShield. 
Thanks to Car Shield, you can have maximum safety on the road for a low month-to-month cost. They protect you from expensive car repairs. In fact, plans from Car Shield can save you thousands for a covered repair. Is your car already under warranty? So you got the bumper-to-bumper warranty you got when you bought the car, or did it run out and you really just kind of hope at this point? Whether your car is 5,000 or 150,000 miles, Car Shield has a protection plan for everyone. Payments are flexible. You can sign up fast. You can get out fast if you want. That's why Car Shield is America's number one auto protection company now. Helped over a million drivers. And Car Shield says you can take your car to your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and they get the rest taken care of. So, if that sounds interesting to you, go to carshield.com, use the code Armstrong to save 10%. That's carshield.com, use the code Armstrong, a deductible may apply. If you're old school, here's the phone number, 800-665-2157, 665-2157. Or again, go online, carshield.com, code Armstrong. Before you even get to the results, if it turns out people are as productive or even close to as productive remotely as they were in the workplace, that restructures everything. And I mean everything yes. in America. Everything yes. changes. And if, if your fortune is in commercial real estate, perhaps open a hot dog stand on the corner or something like that. So I want to hear what you have for us. Uh, Jack, I'm excited well, about I, this. I tell you what, I, we don't have time to do oh, everything. Oh, what? Because well, no, I talked too start. much about Clinton's testicles. Yes, you did. Yeah, your fascination continues. Anyway, uh, we can do part of it, though. Your with, obsession, really. With so many Americans working from home due to the Chinese bat fever and the restrictions on businesses, home electrical usage has gone up, and so have bills. A company that sells energy monitoring devices... Just released an analysis, and actually the device sounds kind of interesting, but you pay for advertising around here. I'm not going to give it for free. California residents, they say, spent about $176 more on their utility bills in 2020 compared to 2019. There's a real cost to staying at home, said the vice president of this company that makes this device. Maybe you don't notice it month to month, but we definitely noticed it after over the year. So $176 for the entire year? Which might be explained away by it was a somewhat hotter summer. Oh, yeah, easily. Easily. One month, yeah. So, allegedly, and then inexplicably, the San Diego Union-Tribune goes into a long ad about the uh, device, which provides real-time data on household electricity, can track appliance and electronic devices, blah, 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 help identify energy drains, etc. Again, mildly interesting, but... Uh, about 50,000 of these monitors have been installed across the country. So is this an ad or is it a story? I wonder if this is a new thing in journalism. But the numbers on productivity and meetings will shock you. Working from home. How's it working out? Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. From the text line, so Jack, are you saying the Secret Service never takes their eye off the ball? Yes, something along that line. Well done, my friend. Well played. So uh, back to the question of workplace, or not workplace, uh, working from home productivity, working remotely productivity. And and I'm saying if it turns out 
people are as productive or even close to as productive at home as they were in the office. Everything in America changes. Everything. Because people don't need to be in clustered in cities. They move to different places, which affects tax bases, schools. I mean, everything changes. Automotive industry. Oh, yeah. Oh, heck yeah. For instance, public transit. Is all right. Well, the the Democratic uh, bailout bill has lots of money for public transit because nobody's riding it. Anyway, uh, a lot of it was a bad idea to begin with before the pandemic. So Jeff Fowler, a friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show, writing in the WAPO, mentions that for about 63 million American workers during the pandemic, the Internet made working from home, or as he put it, wearing comfy sweatpants all day, (laughs) possible. Uh, White-collar jobs built around Zoom calls, Slack messages, and Dropbox files have also changed how work gets done, not entirely for the better. It has meant longer days. A study of the early weeks of lockdown published by the National Bureau of Economic Research found the average workday increased by 48.5 minutes and the number of meetings increased by 13%. Management scientists... I don't think I've ever heard that term before. Hmm. I mean, I know there's a study of management and organizations, so it makes sense that they're management scientists. They call it a virtual form of presenteeism, feeling like you have to show your face for Zoom just to make people think you're not slacking off. Well, I was talking to somebody uh, yesterday in a certain big company who has to fill out all kinds of paperwork that they never had to fill out before that takes up so much time to show that they're still busy because it's not as easy for managers to keep their eye on them. And I guess the managers don't trust their employees. I think hire better people if you don't think they're actually doing their work rather than have them spend 48, 45 minutes of their eight hour workday filling out paperwork to show that they're working. Well, and there are clearly managers who are not clearly managing. They're not given. Uh, they're not doing a, a daily meeting, for instance. Yeah, but this will and, this and will restructure allegedly helping people do a better job. This will restructure all that stuff. So too. they have to show that they're doing something. So they yeah. call a Zoom yeah. meeting or whatever. So thirteen percent increase in meetings. Meanwhile, overall productivity has decreased by two to three percent for most organizations. Reports Bain and Company because of poor collaboration and inefficient work practices. Keep that number in your back pocket for a second, because we're going to come back to that. 23 to 3% less productivity. That's pretty small. On the other hand, Pew surveyed Americans uh, about being able to work from home, and 54% say they'd still want to work remotely after the pandemic ends. Uh, that's barely over half, so that's interesting. I've, I've known management types, and I've never understood this about jobs. I've, I've known bosses. And boy, in all kinds of different, I'm thinking manual labor, I can think of white collar work, all kinds of, that if you're able to get your your work done in less than eight hours, that's somehow like a bad thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. And so we need to figure out something where you're like busy that other hour, even if it's pointless. Mm-hmm. We can't have the word go up that we could work harder and faster and more efficiently, because then we'll have to. But. In a recent Washington Post Live interview, Slack's chief executive, Stuart Butterfield, told me companies have been able to use remote work as an opportunity to re-examine all forms of office orthodoxy. Now, this is clearly true. That's a great idea. The point you were making. What other assumptions, what other kinds of practices or processes are we kind of blindly keeping in the rotation when perhaps there are more effective ways to do it, he said. 
Uh, let's see. Workplace tech needs to evolve, too. Some 57% of remote workers felt less connected to coworkers. Well, that's because you're less yeah. connected uh, over the Internet than you are in person. No doubt about that. There can also be too much connection. Every time I get a Slack message, I hear it reverberate around my house, on my computer, my phone, my iPad. Keeping the distinction between work and personal time shouldn't be a constant battle, writes Jeff Fowler in the WAPO. Now, I saw that Bain uh, and Co. number. They're a big investment firm, a big, uh, you know, like, uh, what do you call them? Mergers and acquisitions. They take over companies and stuff like that. And I have some experience with them and wasn't 100% sure um, that I trusted that number because they did it. So I went digging around and found a nice little digest, uh, once again, uh, by coincidence, in the San Diego Union-Tribune. Cited them last segment, I think. A recent study published by the Becker Friedman Institute for Economics at the University of Chicago. The institute's report, based on surveys and other data, said extra time was not extra time not driving was mainly given to extra work. That that makes perfectly good sense to me. If you're eliminating uh, between thirty minutes and two hours of driving, that's got to turn into more productivity. And if it's not, you need different employee. Yeah, I figured out that from garage door to office door, when I actually get started working, it takes me about an hour ten hmm. every day. And after my various surgeries and uh, during COVID, when we were trying to not have the entire show wiped out at various points, um, I've been working remotely from my home studio. Um, I am in the real studio today, but anyway... Uh, and that's my practice. I mean, I love my job and I want to do it. I want to do it well. So I'm not sleeping an extra 35 to 40 minutes every morning. I get up at the same time and dive into work and feel so ready when the show begins. Um, and that experience, uh, you know, if you're motivated, that's what people are doing. I do think the lack of contact with coworkers will over time become a problem because some of it's working now because you already had a relationship with them. Yes. And I agree 100%. It's the same with the whole schooling thing. You already have a relationship with friends and teachers, but when it's only that and you never established a relationship to begin with? I mean, who? how else am I going to fill the void of my life of asking somebody how their weekend was when I don't actually care? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nicholas Bloom, economist at Stanford University, who worked on the study, said his conclusion was Americans were too hard on themselves with their work-from-home productivity. Uh, can Americans actually... Are Americans actually more productive working from home? Lynn Reeser, uh, Point Loma Nazarene University, um, she mentions the uh, lack of commuting, the rest of it. Kelly Cunningham, San Diego Institute for Economic Research, said depending on experience level, working at home tends to be more productive. Recent Harvard Business Review study found working at home helped officers, quote, focus on the work that really matters. Workers took on more responsibility for their own schedules, viewing actual work completed as more worthwhile to their employer as well as to themselves as opposed to time spent working. They spent 12% less time drawn into large meetings and 9% more time interacting with customers and external partners. Then they asked Gary London, London Motor Advisors, One measure of productivity is time invested. Working at home expands the amount of time a person can work rather than the commute, which is not, I don't know. I Commuting, I don't hate commuting. I never did. Uh, Listen to the radio, listen to news, and just unwind on the way home, not bring the work stress home. So there's that. But um, 
The productivity unknown includes the benefits of being around your coworkers, formally and informally. Probably Zoom cannot replace that. And there's more. They ask more experts, and, and it's a little more of the same. Jack, you make an excellent point about if you already have a cohesive organization. I mean, it's like the difference between staying in love from a distance and falling in love from a distance. They're very different questions mm. as to whether you can do it. Um, and what was the other? Oh, the other thing I was going to point out and why, like, the Bain study was so useless is I have talked to uh, somebody in financial services who said, and, and he used the word, and he's a very sober guy. He's not prone to uh, hyperbole. He said, our productivity has skyrocketed. I've also talked to people who've said the amount of slacking is unbelievable. <laughs> Well, I've also seen from some companies that I'm aware of on the company side of it, assigning just crap busy work to try to, like, somehow have more control over their employees. That's making them miserable, making them more miserable than they ought to be. Like I said, if I'm allegedly a coach of people and we're not together, if I assign them a form to fill out, they fill it out, then I do a report on how they filled it out. That looks like coaching. Yeah, true. So, Well, there's certainly some of that going on. Well, and you can't fault somebody for trying to not lose their gig in these troubled times. Boy, another expert uh, cites the commute time. Uh, preparation for grooming. You know what? We're so dude heavy around here. Um, a lot of gals spend 30, 45 minutes getting dolled up for work. Oh, it takes me an hour to look like this. Really? What do you look like before? <laughs> so so there's if that. If you could see me right now, that would be extra hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Unshaven, hooded sweatshirt. <laughs> guy from Scripps Health says, before COVID, I was skeptical at best, but now we have 2,700 back office administrative and support staff working from home, and from all indications, they've been very productive. As a, as a saleswoman told us, I can't remember the last time I wore a bra. Think how much time is saved. By not putting on the bra. There's the whole putting your arms through and then reaching behind. You know about you, the sure. cup size? I know about the cup size, yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. What's your experience? 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty.